Welcome back, bass players and musicians of the world at large. I am Wyatt Walker-Ware, and you are listening to episode 8 of the Better Bass Podcast. Eight episodes in already. I'm stoked to be here, stoked to uh, keep chatting about bass and keep getting some discussion going about uh, bass ideas and practice ideas and all this. Today, we're trying to get to the point. We're trying to get to the goal and define that a little better answer the question of what actually makes a good bassist. What are the criteria that need to be satisfied for somebody to be a good bass player and a good musician so that we can better figure out how we get there and delineate that into steps a little more. In my opinion, there's three, there's three things about playing any instrument that are really non-negotiable that you have to have at a very high level in order to perform effectively in order to communicate effectively with other musicians on a bandstand. Those three things are rhythm, sound, and dynamics. Rhythm being a very precise internal clock, a good sense of internal time, an ability to hear a pulse and subdivide it yourself, able to hear a quarter note, subdivide eighths, triplets, sixteenths, using your ears and keep the tempo steady, keep the quarter note steady, don't move the beat around while doing that. Of course, this is necessary to be able to hold the tempo when you're playing in a situation without a drummer, but even with a drummer, having a very precise internal sense of time, of of macro time and keeping a tempo, and also of micro time and subdivision, allows you to better interpret what the drummer is doing. If you know in your ears and in your brain, okay, this is where the precise metronomic 16th note is, and you hear the drummer swinging the 16th note a certain way, you're going to better interpret that, and you're going to create a a more precise groove that's tighter. In the realm of sound, of course bass tone is a very, very subjective thing, but ultimately it's about consistency and control. Can you produce the same sound on the same note on the instrument the same way 15 times in a row? Can you do this across different registers of the instrument? Can you produce a characteristic tone up and down the neck on all strings? Can you go from one day to the next and not sound completely different? Do you have the control over the instrument to adjust your sound to sit better in the mix and to blend better with the instruments around you? I'm not talking about changing your gear. I'm not talking about twisting knobs or messing with your EQ or anything. I'm talking about picking differently, using your right hand and using your left hand differently, adjusting the attack, sustain, and release of your the notes that you play to fit better with, say, a loud funk band, a loud, bright funk band with a, a horn section with two trumpets and two saxophones versus a a very dark-sounding jazz trio with only a drummer and a Rhodes. And then in the realm of dynamics, it's really all about control. Are you able to pluck notes so that they all sound at the same volume, again, across the instrument, across strings, up and down at the neck? Do you have good control of that? Can you 
express a very wide dynamic range on your instrument without twisting your volume knob using only your fingers? Can you control accents and which notes you want to pop out of a bass line or a groove? And most importantly, are you able to make an accurate judgment call on stage to make sure that you are still audible to the audience and the musicians around you and you're making a, a strong presence, a strong bass presence in styles of music that call for that, but at the same time you're not blowing out the room and drowning out other people in the band. And in my opinion and in my experience, it really is those three things, rhythm and time, sound and dynamics, and control over these things, that differentiates an okay bass player, an, an intermediate to advanced student, from a gig-ready professional bassist who will sound good in any context you put them in and who other musicians feel comfortable calling to cover a gig. Now, there are absolutely other skills that are paramount. Being able to learn a lot of music very quickly, having good ears, being able to adjust on the fly, um, having a good sense of musical form, knowing where you are in a song at all times. All of these stage skills and performance skills are very, very important to good bass playing in addition to just the fundamentals of making your instrument work. What's not important is what kind of gear you use, what variety of tone you have, what your pickup settings or your EQ settings are, how many notes you can play, how fast you can play, how fast you can't play, provided, of course, that you have the minimum facility to play your part and serve the music that you're playing, which most of our job as bass players does not require playing very many notes. None of that is really relevant at all. You're not going to become a better bass player by changing your tone settings. You're not going to become a better bass player by learning to play a ton of 16th notes really fast. Conversely, you're probably not going to become a better bass player by just playing as minimally as possible all of the time just for the sake of it. You will become a better bass player by practicing being true to yourself and practicing playing what you hear and practicing self-expression. Being genuine and expressing yourself in an honest way on the instrument is the best way to create consistent execution. It's the best way to create consistent sound, it's the best way to create consistent time, and this is achieved by spending the time with the instrument and spending the time in the practice room to be able to feel out what your technical limitations are and spending the time listening to music and learning music to know what kind of bass playing is going to sound good in context. That also largely comes with stage experience and time spent playing with other musicians. I think that playing on stage and gigging is its own 10,000-hour process outside of the 10,000-hour process in the shed. But the bottom line of it all is that if you develop your sense of rhythm and your sense of time to a very high level and you're able to derive a sense of groove from that and you develop your sound, your tone to a very high consistent level and you're able to balance your dynamics with a band in whatever context you're in and balance them well, you are a good bass player. You have a grasp of the fundamentals of your role in the music at that point. So how do we get there? How do we work on this stuff? How do we practice this? 
I've said it before on this podcast, but for me, developing time starts with the metronome. It starts with playing to a click, learning to keep a steady tempo. I know there are people out there who really, really don't like metronomes, but if you're going to play with another musician, if you're going to play something that is at a given tempo, unless it's really supposed to change, it's supposed to accelerate or decelerate over the course of the song, how are you going to know if you're keeping it at the same speed other than by referencing it somehow? You can, of course, record yourself and listen back, but if you've never played at a fixed number of beats per minute for a long period of time, can you really count on your own ear to determine that? To determine whether you're rushing or dragging? I think it's a sense that has to be developed. Particularly for us Americans, uh, us Westerners generally, who don't really grow up in cultures that value dance a lot, we don't develop internal time and we don't universally develop an internal sense of rhythm as kids. Even if you started in classical lessons, if you took classical piano lessons as a kid, classical violin, maybe you were made to practice with a metronome some of the time, but I find in most cases, including my own, after 10 years of classical piano study, my sense of time was still garbage. It was still all over the place. So... To develop this, I try to use the metronome in a way that encourages my own internal time to develop rather than leaning on it as a crutch. I very rarely put the metronome on every quarter note or every two and four of each bar or whatever when I am practicing developing time. Usually, the metronome is very slow. It's, let's say, on beat one of every bar. So here's beat one giving myself a couple bars to figure out exactly where the subdivision is here. Could hear I was dragging a little bit at the beginning. I ended up a little behind on like that third, the downbeat of the third bar there had to make a little adjustment on the fly. Got it to a point where it felt okay, not all the way consistent. Overall, I'm giving myself a C minus on that at best. I was not prepared to play that at the at that tempo, even though I thought I was. I'm just on this podcast, I'm coming up with stuff off the dome. That was the first set of notes that came to mind, and it uh didn't work for me at that time, and I needed to know my limitations a little better. That aside, you can use this broad metronome placement with anything. I like to do it with patternistic stuff, and I like to do it with grooves. I like to do it with things that repeat themselves. I also like to do it with pure improvisation and soloing. I like to put it on a, a very broad placement, like one of every bar or four of every bar, and improvise that way. You can also work on kind of bridging the gap between written playing and improvisation with this. I'm going to play that same groove, or at least something similar to what I was, and throw some fills in there and demonstrate this a little bit, and probably sound even worse than I did the first time around. At least the tempo is the same, and it's already in my ears, so I'll have a little bit better time getting it right from the start. Two, three, four. <laughs> Thank you. 
Went for something, a uh, couple things that were a little too complicated rhythmically for me to execute properly, but that's just, that's the learning process. That's how these things go. I thought I was prepared to play that for the podcast in a, a quasi-performance little teaching situation, and turns out I wasn't all the way ready. So as soon as I stop recording this, as soon as I get it edited and uploaded, I'm going uh, to be heading back to the practice room and working on that for a while. So that's macro time. How about micro time? How about subdivision? What I like to do for this purpose is put the metronome on a, a little higher BPM, but feel it on a subdivision other than just the, the quarter note. So I was working earlier today on feeling the fourth sixteenth note, just playing very, very simple rhythmic patterns around this. Two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Just a few downbeats at a time, then a downbeat and a few upbeats at a time. It's way harder than you think it is. Just give it a try. I've been working on that particular exercise for many, many months now, and I'm nowhere near having it fluid at a wide range of tempos. I started it at 40 BPM or so, and that was all I could manage for a week until I finally got that fluent, and now... On a really, really good day, I can nail a whole bunch of upbeats in a row and then nail a few quarter notes at about uh, about 95. It's a really, uh, really brutal exercise that I got from I got from Nate Smith, the 80/20 drummer on YouTube. Not the uh, not the funk drummer Nate Smith. This is another drummer named Nate Smith. But highly recommend his channel if you haven't checked that out. It's obviously geared toward drums, but I've lifted a lot of concepts from him and found a lot of cool practice tools from there. So onto tools for working on sound, I think this gets a little bit more abstract because it has to involve feedback in a way that you're not always going to get it just sitting in front of your amp in a practice room, which is where recording yourself comes in. I think recording yourself is very, very important to get an objective evaluation of how you sound and to figure out where the weaknesses and where the strengths and where the flaws and the things that you need to work on in your playing are, and maybe some things that you can put a little bit down the priority list in the practice room in favor of working on what's lacking. But with sound, I really like to have a point of reference. I like to have another bass player, a specific recording that I'm looking to maybe not precisely recreate the sound from, but get some of the vibe, at the very least. Find a recording that really inspires you, or better yet, go to some shows. Go to some shows, some live music of bands that you admire with bass players that you admire, and just absorb that sound. Focus on it. Focus on listening to just purely the tone of the bass. Burn that into your brain. Get some inspiration. Go back to the practice room record yourself, get you some feedback, try it again, adjust things about the way that you're playing, and see what you can get out of that. 
And then dynamics. Dynamics is something that can be a little more specifically exercised out. I feel like I'm working on sound all the time. I'm always listening to myself. I'm always listening to my tone. If the attack is off, if I'm getting extraneous noises, I immediately stop, go back, figure out where the inaccuracy is, and fix that. With dynamics, I'm not necessarily always looking for that, although if I really flub a note and bang something out too loud, it's like, okay, gotta slow down a little bit, gotta get in control of that. But the simplest exercise that I don't hear a lot of bass players talk about or do that really, really improved my dynamic control just in like a week of doing this is just playing crescendos and decrescendos. Just only with my fingers, I'm using only my fingers to control dynamics here. I'm going to play a scale, I'm going to play it from soft to loud to soft. So I put the loudest point pretty early there, now I'm going to put the loudest point later. Hear how broad that dynamic range is, how I can play one note, have it be that soft, and then that loud. I'm probably going to have to put, uh, I'm probably going to have to edit the audio from this. It's not really going to come across on the podcast. Those loud notes are definitely going to be hitting the, uh, the limiter that I put on the track because it's not going to, I don't play like that that often. I don't play that hard that often, but Having that control in your hands is just so important for not only getting a consistent dynamic level, not only playing at the same volume for an extended period of time, but also for being able to make subtle adjustments on the fly. If I'm playing behind a, a keyboard solo, I'm typically not going to play nearly as loud as I am behind a trumpet solo. This isn't me making shit up, that's just the way that it is. I think it's incredibly valuable to be able to do that without twisting knobs and without using a, a volume pedal or whatever because you never know when these dynamic changes are going to happen. There might be a cue for a dynamic change. The drummer might start playing a, a huge fill with a big crash to increase the dynamic, increase the energy and the volume of the band real quick, and you might not have time to reach down and grab your volume knob. It's a song with a dense groove, so do it with your hands. Use your hands, get that dynamic control, see what you can do with that. So I'll end on that. Hope you got some useful insight from this episode. Hope you got some inspiration to populate your practice routine, take into the shed with you. Time, sound, dynamics. That's what it's all about. That's how you become a good bassist. If you're enjoying the show, make sure to uh, subscribe to the mailing list on Substack. That's betterbass.substack.com. That's the home of the podcast. That's the home of the discussion. We're also now streaming on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on one of those platforms, be sure to leave a rating. Leave me some stars. It really helps. It really helps to grow this thing. It helps to keep being able to put this out there for you all. Let's all be better bass players together, and I'll see you in the next episode.